0: Ideal equipment for a video podcasting studio. Welcome to the Audacity to Podcast, episode 242. Thank you for joining me for the Audacity to Podcast. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and this is the award-winning how-to podcast about podcasting. It's where I give you the guts and teach you the tools to launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I've been doing this little mini-series for a few episodes now, talking about your podcasting studio. And in the last episode, I talked about ideal equipment for an audio podcasting studio but you may be interested in doing some video podcasting or maybe video on YouTube or video anywhere else to help support your audio podcast, maybe a completely different show. Maybe you're more interested in producing video than in producing audio. Whatever the case, you need to have a, quote, studio, unquote, for your videos and that studio could be a room, a garage, your basement, anything like that. So it doesn't have to be an expensive thousand dollar or million dollar studio. But I'll be giving you some tips on the equipment you need for that podcasting studio to give you really nice quality videos. If you would like to follow along in the show notes for episode 242, Go to the slash ideal video. I'm going to talk to you about microphones, about audio recorders or wireless systems, about lighting, about cameras, about background or backdrops, about accessories, and about live streaming. And this is all focused on video, if video is going to be your primary distribution for this particular content you're considering. So number one, microphones. Audio is the most important part of video, thus you really need to make sure that you have a good microphone and that microphone is close to your voice in order for the message you have to be heard by your audience. Unless you're doing a text video or a sign language video, it's really important that you have high quality audio, more important than anything else about your video. You look at YouTube, and you'll see a lot of nice-looking videos with horrible audio quality. But you can see a nice-looking video with nice audio, and it seems really professional. And even if you can only hear someone well, but you can't see them really well, then we can forgive some of the other things because the most important part of podcasting is communicating with your voice, so as long as you can be heard well then your video could be accomplishing its purposes. Maybe. There are some other aspects to it. But most audio podcasting microphones won't usually work well for video. I'm using a Heil PR-40, which is a large diaphragm studio dynamic microphone. It's this big thing. It has a shock mount with it, a pop filter, all of this stuff that takes up a lot of visual space. And the microphone is very close to my mouth, only a few inches away from my mouth. And that works great for audio podcasting, but for video, not so much because there's a big microphone in my face. Some people, because of the size of the microphone or the pop filters or anything like that, might have something even bigger covering parts of their face and you can't see them that well. You can't see when they're smiling or you can't see the twinkle in their eye because the stuff is in the way. So you might not be able to use your regular audio gear with your video podcast that you want to shoot. However, there are some ways that you can get around this creatively. Like you could use your studio microphone just barely out of frame when you record your video for your podcast. And yes, you'll be a little bit farther away from the microphone. You're no longer in that sweet spot of four to six inches or 10 to 15 centimeters. But You are getting good quality audio from a microphone, and if it's just barely out of frame, frame that shot tightly, and then people won't see the microphone. If you look at the show notes for this episode, number 242, at theaudacitytopodcast.com slash ideal video, then you'll see a video that I made for Noodle Mix Network in the Podcast Awards a while back, where the video is framed very tightly around my face. It chops It chops off just the top of my head and then you see only a couple inches below my neck. You can't even see the first button on my collared shirt that I'm wearing. It's that tightly framed. But just out of that frame, maybe half an inch out of that frame, is my Heil PR-40 microphone. It's not visible, but it's getting some good audio for me. Now that's possible because I zoomed in so much And that's not always practical, though, for that kind of tight shot. Really, the best kind of microphone for video is something that's small, not distracting, or maybe it's even completely invisible. Typically, that leaves you with one of the following several options for a microphone that you could use with your video. Uh, you could use a lavalier microphone. This is the kind of microphone, also called a lapel mic, that clips onto your clothing, but it can sometimes be hidden inside a hat or your hair or a collar on your shirt or underneath clothing. It's not always necessary to hide the microphone, especially if you are talking to your audience directly. But if you want people to think that they're watching something that's dramatized, like a sketch or TV show, that's when you want the microphone hidden, unless you actually make it part of the show, like uh, Julian Smith has done with some of his videos. And it's kind of funny to see people holding microphones, having everyday conversations, but that's the humorous side of it. A lav mic allows for some free arm movement. You don't have to worry about a microphone in front of your face, and allows people to see you very well. But the lav mic could also be susceptible to some clothing noises with moving around much, or it could have a decreased pickup pattern if you turn your head. There are little techniques that you can use to avoid that. Like if you're using an omnidirectional microphone, instead of pointing it up toward your mouth, point it down. Because it's omnidirectional, it should capture audio from all around it. Thus, by pointing it down, it actually reduces the chance of picking up less audio when you turn your head. Yeah, it's not as focused or as narrowed in on your voice as if it was pointing up at you, but it gives you a little bit more flexibility. Another kind of microphone you could consider would be a headset microphone. And this is not the cheap kind of gaming headset microphone you see a lot of YouTubers use where it has both headphones and a microphone, but this would be something that is a professional microphone-only headset the microphone is what you would typically see public speakers where when they're speaking in front of a large audience it has this little stick that comes out next to their cheek that puts the microphone an ideal distance from their voice but the great benefit here is they have full range of motion with their hands they can beat their chest if they wanted to and it doesn't affect the microphone and they can turn their head any direction they want to and it doesn't affect the microphone pickup at all but this kind of thing does show up more in videos. It could be a little bit more distracting, even if you get a flesh-colored microphone. And good quality microphones like this are very expensive. I will have some links to some suggested microphones for each of these different kinds of microphones in the show notes for this episode at the slash ideal video if you're interested in picking up any of these microphones or trying them out. So you've got a lavalier microphone, headset microphone. The third one is a shotgun microphone. This is usually a very long microphone that would be mounted outside of the visible framing of the video, and it's usually above or below the talent. This is what you usually see used in professional filming for TV or uh, videos, movies, and such. There's usually an assistant with this long boom arm and they're moving the microphone back and forth and they have this thing. It looks like a dead cat hanging from a stick and they call it a dead cat filter or some kind of windscreen to prevent any of that wind noise. But this microphone usually stays in one place unless you have an assistant to move the microphone around and make it follow you. It's usually out of frame and it picks up this very narrow cone of audio directly In front of the microphone these do produce some great audio quality but they can be expensive and they're a little bit less flexible in how you can use them because if you move too much then the microphone won't pick you up unless you have someone moving the microphone around as well then you start getting into the complexities of having someone else work with you and moving the microphone around for you that's a shotgun microphone You could also consider a handheld microphone. These work great in noisy environments like convention floors and such, when you might need to interview someone at an event or you're doing some kind of live coverage somewhere. A handheld microphone allows you to hold the microphone close to your mouth. It's usually a larger diaphragm microphone, so it picks up your voice better than the background noise, and it requires very little setup often. It's great for interviewing, too, because it puts you in control of the microphone. Never give the microphone to your guest or let them hold the microphone. If you're just doing a floor interview and talking to a marketer for a company, you want control of that conversation. And having a handheld microphone means that you have a visual cue that, okay, it's your turn to speak now. Now it's my turn to speak. Now it's your turn to speak. Now it's my turn. Or if you're going back and forth between several different people then that person knows they're the one who's supposed to be speaking and they can know more likely that they're being picked up when the microphone is pointing at them. Make sure that if you look at getting a handheld microphone that you get one with very low handling noise. And I have a couple links to some microphones that I recommend in the show notes for this episode, the audacity to slash ideal video. Don't try to use a microphone that's not designed for this. As a handheld microphone. Like I've seen some people try to use a shotgun microphone or a studio microphone. Those are not designed for holding in your hands. They're not designed for this kind of usage. If you hear anyone professional saying, Yeah, get a shotgun microphone and hold it in your hands, they don't really know what they're talking about. But consider a handheld microphone for your videos, depending on the kind of videos you want to do. This does mean, of course, that one of your hands will always be holding this microphone. So you have. Less range of motion of what you can do, hand gestures, or what can you pick up, or what can you show if you're always having to hold a microphone. And do remember that if the microphone is not pointed at your mouth or at the other person's mouth, then it's not going to pick up the voice. There are some microphones that do a little bit better of a job of that that aren't as directional, but still, if the microphone isn't close, it won't pick up the voice. So don't think about setting down the microphone and then talking people won't hear that. That's a handheld microphone. Then the last kind of microphone you could consider for your video is a condenser microphone. Condenser microphones are typically not ideal for audio podcasters because they pick up everything. And audio podcasters are usually working in their home studios with a computer fan somewhere in the background, maybe a refrigerator, heater, air conditioner, a lot of stuff like that. And condenser microphones are known for picking up a lot of surrounding noise. That is a common kind of microphone for lavalier microphones and sometimes shotgun microphones as well. But you could also consider some kind of desktop mounted condenser microphone that if you don't mind the condenser microphone being in the shot, it might work really well for you. I really like how Rhett and Link do this with their daily YouTube show called Good Mythical Morning, and I have a link to that in the show notes. They have a blue condenser microphone right there between them, kind of in front of them, and it picks them up pretty well. There are some times that they're talking off mic or they turn their head away from the microphone and it doesn't pick them up very well. But there is a lot of audio processing that goes into this, some compression to make sure that each person, no matter how close they are to the microphone, has about the same volume level and such. And there are other concerns with that. But they've made it a nice part of their set and it's not distracting because of how wide of uh, framing they have for that video check it out. I have the link for that in the show notes. So these several different kinds of microphones you could use for video would be a lavalier microphone, headset microphone, shotgun microphone, handheld microphone, or some kind of desktop mounted condenser microphone. The worst kind of microphone that you could use for your video is the microphone built into your camera. This is usually not only a cheap microphone, but it's also depending on how you're shooting your videos, most likely so far away from your voice that's going to pick up a lot of room noise, a lot of reverb, and simply not sound good at all. I've got a video embedded in the show notes for this episode from Pages where they demonstrated three different kinds of microphones. The camera's built-in microphone, a lavalier microphone, and a shotgun microphone. And you can tell the camera microphone is horrible quality and they're not even that far away from it. But imagine trying to use a camera microphone if you're at a conference or somewhere noisy. It's not going to work at all. And even though you may think your voice is coming out clearly, you really need to listen to it again later and compare it to what if you had a microphone closer to your voice. It's a drastic difference in the clarity and people being able to understand you many people are listening to podcasts these days at faster speeds than one for one it might be 1.5x or 2x or even 3x sometimes and if there's reverb in your audio it makes it very difficult for them to listen at those higher speeds but also it makes it very difficult to listen in noisy environments I listen to podcasts while I'm mowing the yard and I do slow down the podcast while I mow because of all the background noise makes it harder to hear a podcast at high speed but if there's audio with bad reverb, I just skip it. I cannot listen to it while I'm mowing or while I'm doing other noisy things. So watch that video in the show notes to get an idea of the different microphones that they use. A little caveat to that though, the particular lavalier microphone that they chose to use is not a good one. It's known for not being a high quality microphone and producing a lot of hiss. So do keep that in mind that there are better lavalier microphones. and I have links to ones that I recommend in the show notes for this episode number 242. So this is number one, microphones. Number two, audio recorder or wireless system. Assuming that you take your video quality seriously enough to not be using the built-in microphone on your camera, then you have two options for recording your audio with an external microphone first option is to connect the microphone to the camera via a cable or wireless system this is kind of the easiest method to use because it means that your audio is going directly into the video so you don't have to do any kind of synchronization afterward and it's all there in a single file that you can edit or maybe publish just as is depending on your camera but it could also be a little bit cumbersome or even expensive cumbersome because you might have this long cable that's running over to the camera and that could be susceptible to interference from lighting electrical stuff and other things that could reduce the quality but it could also be expensive if you're looking at a wireless system now there are some really good wireless systems available now digital wireless systems even and I have links to them in the show notes As long as your connection produces no latency in it, then your video editing could be a lot easier if you're recording the audio into the same device recording the video. A wired system may rely on the camera's built-in preamps, so that might introduce some extra hiss because a camera's preamps, that's what amplifies the microphone before it goes into the recording, Might not be very good quality. That's why it's often better to plug the microphone into something else before plugging it directly into the camera. You could use a recorder or even a mixer or something with a preamp between your microphone and your camera as the recorder. Or you could look at something like a wireless system from Rode or Sennheiser or even Asden has a new cheap one that I can't necessarily recommend but is okay. But Being wireless digital systems allow you to very easily connect and it means that you could wear or hold the microphone and move around as much as you want to and just ensure that someone is following you with the camera and you never have to worry about your synchronization or about tripping over cables that are connected to the camera. So that's the first way that you can work with recording your audio. The second way is to connect the microphone to an external recorder And then synchronize it in post-production. This works great if you're on a tight budget. When you can't afford a wireless system or maybe you just don't have the means to connect your microphone through a preamp back to your camera. And this can very easily produce higher audio quality than trying to connect the microphone directly into your camera. Because you're using equipment generally designed for the purpose of recording audio, to record that audio. And then you synchronize it later. So connect your microphone to some kind of portable audio recorder or it could even be your smartphone. Like if you're using something like a Rode SmartLav Plus or a Sennheiser ClipMic Digital or MKE2 Digital, something like that that can connect to a smartphone could turn your smartphone into your audio recorder. The way that you would want to synchronize the video and the audio is ensure that your video camera is also recording audio from its built-in microphones. You're not going to actually use that audio. It's just a reference. Then making sure that this can be heard by both the camera and your microphone, give a clap or a snap because that or snap will make a nice spike in your audio, a very thin point that's sharp and makes it much easier to precisely align your audio so bring in your audio track that's recorded from your external device with your video that contains both the video and audio then align that externally recorded audio perfectly with that spike in the video then mute or delete the audio track from the video and it ends up that people see the video as it was recorded from the camera but they're hearing the audio as it was recorded from whatever microphone you were using into your portable audio recorder. Then you get the great benefits of a wireless recording but without the big budget of a wireless recording system. To ensure this works without any kind of audio drifting, put your audio recorder and camera in the same recording rate. That will usually be probably 48 kilohertz. You might be able to do 44.1 but you would want to generally mix it down to 44.1 in your post-production. But just make sure the camera and the recorder are in the same formats. That way you don't get any of that kind of audio drift. This is actually how I record most of my videos. And if you look in the show notes for this episode at com slash video you'll see some videos where I recorded this. Like if you watch my Stuff Podcaster Say video, the funny video that I did for International Podcast Day 2015, you'll actually see the lav microphone that I had clipped to callers in a couple spots, but other times it was fairly well hidden. That's what I did there. I was recording the audio into my iPhone or a portable recorder and then synchronized that in post. Or if you look at... Uh, A video that I recorded from the NAB show 2015, I interviewed TASCAM and the video illustrates a couple different things. One is I was using a handheld mic with an XLR cable that went to a Zoom recorder and I was recording it that way and I would synchronize the audio in post-production. But in that video, I'm also talking to TASCAM about one of their devices that plugs directly into the microphone and records right there into the microphone. It's about the size of a wireless transmitter, but it's not wireless. It's recording the audio on its own, still allowing me to synchronize the audio in post-production. So check out those videos in the show notes for this episode, number 242. That is number 2. Audio recorder or wireless system. Number 3, ideal equipment for video podcasting is lighting. Good lighting is the second most important part of quality video. Great lighting can really make even a cheap camera look good. This is because a well-lit scene doesn't require the camera to work as hard to expose everything and figure out the colors and all of the lighting and everything there. So for example, I've got a video in the show notes where I recorded the video with my Logitech C920 webcam. And when I start out the video, It looks like a typical webcam video. Very cheap lighting, very grainy video, very low quality. Even though the C920 can do HD 1080p video, it does not look good at the beginning of the video. And then through the course of the video, I show you what I can do with Lighting Kit while still recording with the webcam, adjusting some color balance, and it looks great. It looks like it was recorded with a DSLR or a professional camera. But it was all from the webcam and the lighting kit was actually quite inexpensive. I've got a couple links in the show notes to some separate lighting kits for under $170 that give you a lot of light output, a great amount of versatility with the lights. They are cheaply built so do keep that in mind but they're very affordable and put out a lot of light. I use them all the time and they make my videos look a lot better than if I was trying to work with other lighting systems and they were affordable for me as well ideally you'll want three light sources for your video what's called a key light this is the main primary bright light that is in front slightly angled from either the left or the right pointing at you this is what is lighting the majority of what you see Then the second light would be what we call a fill light. This is not as bright as the key light. And this light's purpose is to fill in the shadows that the key light created. So if the key light is in front of you to the left, then the fill light would be in front of you and to the right. Not as bright as the key light, but just filling in the shadows a little bit so you don't have these black shadows on your face, but you still have some shadows, just not as much. And then an optional third light would be what we call a rim light or hair light or overhead light. This is usually some kind of light that's behind you and above you and it's pointing down at you. Be careful that this doesn't shine into the camera lens itself because then you'll get some nasty glare and lens flare effects and stuff like that. And let's not do the Star Trek lens flares, please. This kind of light helps separate you from the background and it gives some nice effects. And usually this would be behind you but on the same side like your right side and behind you as the fill light is. The benefit there is that you get this nice brighter light from behind kind of wrapping around the back of your head or over your shoulder on the otherwise dimmer side of your body because the fill light is not as bright as the key light. I'll put a video in the show notes that will illustrate this a little bit more for you and you can get those show notes episode 242 at the audacity to slash ideal video if you can't afford a lighting kit and you don't have enough bright other lights in your house like halogen work lights or daylight cfl bulbs or anything like that enough other bright light that you can use then try to record near a window with sunlight coming in You don't want direct sunlight on you because that can be very bright and too intense. So try to diffuse that sunlight with maybe curtains, a white sheet, a tablecloth, a shower curtain, anything like that. There's actually a shower curtain that we have that I've confiscated in our home because it's white and it works great for diffusing the light that comes in through the window, even if it's direct sunlight. And that sunlight can work beautifully for videos. Just get it at a good angle and you can even bounce that light off of other things like another white sheet, the back of a poster, a small reflector, a dry eraser board, something like that that's white and can bounce the light back on you and that can give you some fill-in light or it can help you to light uh, the set or anything else like that. Or you could use house lights as well to light your studio in some more interesting ways. Like typically, incandescent light bulbs are a warmer, more yellow or orange light, whereas fluorescent light bulbs are more blue or green light. So, if you're working with daylight light and you have your camera calibrated to the daylight white balance, then the incandescent bulbs in the background or soft CFL bulbs or soft LED bulbs will usually give a warmer tone that adds some nice special effects. It's really cool to mix different color temperatures to get some neat background effects or interesting dynamics to the depth of your video and such. So this is number three, lighting. Number four, now we come to the camera. This is often the first thing people think about when wanting to do quality video but it shouldn't be the first thing. You really need to think In terms of production quality, you need to think first about your audio, then your lighting, and then your camera. So remember that audio and lighting are more important, much more important than the quality of your camera. But when you have your camera, I recommend that you capture at a minimum 1280 by 720 pixels or otherwise known as 720p high definition resolution, and then record that at either 24 or 30 frames per second. Some cameras may capture other higher resolutions, but they're sacrificing other things in order to achieve those resolutions. For example, some cameras can shoot in 1080i or 720p. The i stands for interlace, the p stands for progressive. Progressive is where every frame is taken as a whole, interlaced is where Every other line is captured and then every other line after that. So you end up with this strange looking interlaced pattern if you have a lot of movement in the video. But 720p video, even though it's lower resolution, will look better than 1080i, especially if you have much movement in your video, especially action footage. There might be other features of your camera that are only available at smaller resolutions and those features may or may not be important to you. For example some cameras record now in 4k but they only offer image stabilization at 1080p or their image stabilization is a lot better at 1080p than it is at 4k. That's where you need to decide what is your ultimate goal in producing this video. Does it need to be 4k or would it look better if it was a smoother video more stabilized video at 1080p. Other things like higher frame rates 60 frames per second and more are usually only necessary if you want to do slow motion stuff. Otherwise, you really don't have to worry about those high frame rates. Just record at 24 or 30 frames per second. That's up to you. If you want to record the audio from your microphone into the camera via either a cable connected directly to the camera or a wireless system, then ensure that your camera does have an audio input. And if you're using something with a preamp built in, like a wireless system, a mixer, a preamp, anything like that, feeding into the camera, it's better to turn its output up and turn the camera's input down. The reason for that is the camera does not have very high quality preamps. So if you have a very quiet output from your device... And the camera's preamp is turned up, the camera's preamp has to work harder and it introduces a lot of hiss. This is what happened to me at CES 2013. The first time I went to CES, we didn't double check the microphone settings. And what ended up happening is that the microphone output was very low and the camera's input was very high, or the camera's input might have been very low as well. But the main problem was it introduced a lot of hiss because the output. From the good preamps was very low and you can watch those videos on my youtube channel or my video show in itunes and you'll see it's bad audio quality a lot of hiss we tried to do noise removal but it didn't work very well we reduced it as much as we could without making it sound like everyone was underwater it was horrible and i was really embarrassed to put those videos out so instead Ensure that the output from your microphone is loud enough that the camera doesn't have to work very hard with its audio input. When it comes to choosing the right camera, generally the larger that a camera's sensor is, the better the image quality will be. This is not a matter at all of megapixels or how many pixels total the camera can capture. It's really about how well those pixels are captured. For example, A DSLR or mirrorless camera usually gets great video because its sensor is maybe tens or hundreds or even thousands of times larger than a smartphone camera's sensor. Thus, the quality of each pixel captured is much higher. The exposure, the noise level is lower. A lot of great things about those larger sensors. Another factor for some beautiful video that you need to consider in your video equipment for a podcast is the aperture of the camera. This is how much light the camera lets into the lens by how open the aperture is. This is the kind of measurement that you see on a camera that looks like f slash and then some number. That number indicates how closed the aperture is. So a very low number Means the aperture is wide open. A very high number means the aperture is closed more tightly. So f1.4 is very wide open, f6.0 is more closed. It's not as closed as it could be. You can get much higher than f6.0. But in addition to how much light it lets in or doesn't let in, the difference in this aperture also creates more depth of field where the background is in more or less focus compared to the foreground. So a very wide aperture like f2.0 will have a nice depth of field keeping the foreground in focus and nicely blurring the background. But if you adjust the exposure settings to account for a more closed aperture like maybe f6 or f12 or f18 then the foreground will be in focus and the background might also be in focus. We tend to like video when the foreground is in nice sharp focus and that background is nicely blurred, very smoothly blurred. So that's a neat effect to try to go for and you can accomplish that with the aperture in your camera. You can also accomplish that based on how you zoom. For example, if you you are up close to the subject and you're zoomed out the background is within that depth of field and so the background might be less blurred than if you step much farther back zoom in on the subject and then the depth of field is much smaller the subject is in it you'll see this typically on cameras with macro settings I remember an old camera I had back in the 35mm days, if I turned it to macro mode, it instantly zoomed in all the way. And I remember thinking as a kid, I don't want it to zoom in because I want to get close to this object. But the reason for zooming in is that it blurred the background a lot more while it kept the foreground in nice sharp focus. I'm not going to teach you all about like shutter speed, ISO, aperture, and all of that with your camera. You need to learn how to use your camera and its tools, and that can really help you get great video and great photos when you know how to use that tool much better. See, Da Vinci wasn't a great painter because of the tools. It's because of his knowledge of the tools. So learn how to use whatever camera you're working with. So for video podcasting, There are currently four basic different types of cameras you could consider and this is in my order of recommendation. First, a camcorder. This would be a dedicated high-definition digital video camera that captures onto like an SD card or some kind of other digital storage method. This allows you to record for as long as you have available storage. You may not get the advantage of interchangeable lenses or the wide open aperture to get that nice full depth of field that a DSLR or a mirrorless camera could provide. But these kinds of camcorders are often very small, very lightweight, very versatile, and often very affordable as well. They allow for things like HDMI outputs that can work great for live streaming or for other kind of live mixing with your video and often have an audio input as well. The second kind of camera that you could consider would be a DSLR or a mirrorless camera. These cameras are primarily focused on still photography, but nowadays many of them can record video up to 29 minutes and 59 seconds. Why that limit? Because of U.S. import laws that actually say if the device can record more than 30 minutes of video, then it's a video camera and it must then go through a different set of import laws than a regular still photography camera goes through. So that's why you typically see that limit on how long a a still photography camera can record video. There are also other concerns like the heating of the sensors and how quickly can it write to the storage card and such. But most of the time it's limited to 30 minutes. Some older devices are limited to 15 minutes because they simply couldn't process more than 15 minutes of video or they would overheat or different issues like that. But if you need to record more than 30 minutes of video, simply stop and resume your recording at some point and that should be okay. But that's a benefit to a camcorder is you don't have to worry about stopping and resuming and resynchronizing and all of that stuff. You just let it go and it records that whole time. The third kind of camera you could consider would be a smartphone camera. The cameras and mobile devices have really become smarter and much better quality than they were many years ago. They have nice apertures, nice exposures, really intelligent software to do some amazing things. And the industry has been moving so fast with mobile smartphone device photography technology that I really don't recommend relying on anything older than about three years old because it might not get very good quality and there might be some other software issues or hardware issues to think about. The right recording app on your smartphone could also make your videos much better quality, giving you more control over manual exposure, ISO, frame rates, all that kind of stuff that can make your videos work a lot better. Again, you need to learn how to use the tool in order to take advantage of all that extra power the last kind of camera i would recommend for your video podcasting and youtube videos would be a webcam it's not always ideal it's not very versatile especially if it's built into your computer and it's not very portable but an hd web camera can still look good with decent lighting and i've shown this before in a video that i recorded and posted on my youtube channel and video channel you need to learn again how to use the tools. The webcam might come with software that allows you to adjust the exposure, the focus, the white balance, and that kind of stuff. Or you could buy additional software depending on your operating system that allows you to control that kind of stuff. Make sure that your web camera is at a flattering angle for your videos. No one wants to see up your nose. So ensure that that camera is about at eye level or nose level with you and it's looking across at you instead of up at you or down at you and you might need to set up phone books or things like that to record your videos whatever it takes to make your videos look good but you could potentially use your webcam if you have an external webcam like a Logitech C920 or other HD webcams that gives you a bit more flexibility you could mount it on a tripod put it anywhere with extension cables and such and that can work great but remember your lighting is very important to make that good webcam look good. You may even want to consider getting multiple cameras depending on the style of your video show. This could allow you to switch back and forth between the video cameras live or maybe in post-production. This can help cover up your editing points where maybe you slipped up and need to switch to b-roll footage or you change camera angles or something like that so people don't notice that there was something edited out there. But it can also simply make things more interesting and professional if you're switching between cameras. Don't do this in a ridiculous way where you're turning to camera number one and now I'll turn to camera number two. You don't have to do it like that. But the different camera angles could be maybe there's a zoomed in camera and a zoomed out camera. Or maybe there's a camera focused on whatever the object is that you're talking about. I do this now with my unboxing videos For my Once Upon a Time podcast, we've posted a couple of videos on YouTube of one of them in the show notes. We had two cameras. One was looking at myself and my co-host and the other camera was over our heads looking down at the object on the table. That allowed us to then continue talking and unboxing this item, but ensuring that the item could be seen. So if we wanted someone to see what we were referring to, we would make sure that the camera above us could see it and we would cut to that in our post-production and it looked really nice too. I'll have a, an example video of that in the show notes for episode 242 at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ideal video. The fifth piece of equipment for an ideal video podcasting studio is some kind of background. Think about everything visible to your camera and how it looks as part of your quote studio set unquote. Things like ceiling fans, doors, windows, clutter, pets, people, rooms, and much more can make your videos look really amateurish. Try to prevent how much movement there is in the background and You can hide the background or you can make the background more interesting, but the background should never be competing with the subject of the video for the viewer's attention. This is one of the reasons why a nice shallow depth of field is great because it blurs the background. So even if the background is really interesting with bright colors or lights or maybe some pattern-based movement, it's blurry and thus the foreground is really sharp in focus. You could create a background with some props or setting up some lighting, light your background with some interesting stuff, give it some depth to it. Or you could look at recording in front of some kind of solid colored background, like a white background, black background, gray background, anything like that. Or record in front of a chroma key green screen background. And then you can add in whatever kind of background or virtual set that you want. But be careful when you're doing anything with green screen because it can very easily look cheap if you don't know how to use the tools for giving you that green screen effect. This is number five, your background. And it could even be a backdrop, just some sheet or a curtain or something behind you. Even wallpaper can sometimes look nice as a backdrop, especially if it's slightly out of focus. Number six, accessories. Accessories. As with my episode that I did about ideal audio podcasting equipment, there are some accessories I think you should consider for your video studio, and this is by no means a complete list of accessories. But think about foreground or background props, maybe some accent lighting, which could even be simple house lighting to make the set more interesting. Uh, It could be rubber duckies or cool things related to your uh, content in your podcast, it could be something that just looks interesting, that's brightly colored or textured in some way. Have fun with it, really. I have saved some old lumber from when I rebuilt part of my desk. This is lumber that has been sun bleached and rained on, treated lumber. And it's very gray and worn looking. And when I took my old deck apart and I saw these boards, I was thinking, oh, this would make for some really Beautiful backdrops and items in the background, shelving maybe, or a window frame shape, or something like that. So, I saved all of that wood and I'll be building it into something at some point for some neat shelves to get that kind of rustic look in addition to a high tech look, maybe some blue LEDs on it, or I don't know what I'll do with it. But think of things like that. Get creative. Maybe if there's another member of your family. Like your spouse that's really into interior design. This can be a great way to get them involved in what you're doing by asking for their help. Hey, what would you recommend here? Something to nicely accent this to make it look a lot better. Think also about a table, a desk, a counter, or some kind of surface that you would be using for holding other accessories, props, or any of those tools that are essential for your podcasting. Like your computer or papers, or that object you're unboxing, or anything like that. It needs to be at a comfortable height for your approach to the content, how you're explaining this thing, and also a good height that it works well for your videos too. Then depending on the height of your surface, if you're using a surface, think about a chair, a stool, or maybe simply padding on the ground to make it easier for you to stand or sit for your podcast video In whatever approach you're taking to that video. Also think about your tripods or whatever mounts that you need for your camera, uh, whatever kind of camera that is, your microphones, anything like that. Stands for your lights, your backdrops, any kind of props. These are simply some of the accessories that you might want to consider for your video. And accessories alone could almost cost as much as your video but you don't have to get really fancy with these things. You can improvise with other stuff like using cassette tape uh, cases for your iPhones. If If you even remember what a cassette tape case looks like. I don't think I even own any in my home but that could be something that could hold your iPhone at just the right angle or something else. It could be something you build out of Lego construction toys, or Legos, as the rest of the world knows them. Think about these accessories and how they can work with you to enhance your video. And then finally, number seven, live streaming interface. If you want to live stream your video, then this adds all kinds of new and extra complexity to the entire process. Video live streaming requires a lot of bandwidth and a lot of computing power. So keep that in mind with where you place your computer because it could create background noise. If you're going to live stream in a more professional way than using webcams then you may need to think about getting a special interface like an HDMI or SDI capture interface for your PC or maybe getting a dedicated streaming system like a TriCaster or something like that and some dedicated streaming software like Wirecast or vMix HD or anything like that and yes, this starts getting expensive. You may also need the ability to switch between multiple interfaces. So a single HDMI input might not be enough if you have multiple cameras. You need something that you can easily and smoothly switch between these or sharing your screen and showing one camera or showing the other or maybe displaying lower thirds on the screen or special on-screen aids. Stepping up to this level of video production like a newscaster level of live video production can easily start to cost at least a few thousand dollars and it may require an assistant to run all of these things for you. Some of the tools you can manage strictly from your iPad or manage it from a keyboard in front of you something like that whatever the case the results for all of this could look amazing and it also could mean less editing for you in your post-production process because you've done all of that nice production work while you're recording and you planned for it before you started your recording so these seven categories of ideal equipment for a video podcasting studio are number one microphones number two audio recorder or wireless system number three, lighting, number four, cameras, number five, background, number six, accessories, and number seven, live streaming interface. You can get the links and resources that I mentioned and much more in the show notes for this episode number 242 at theaudacitypodcast.com slash ideal video. Here's the horrible news. This is not everything. In the last several episodes, I've endeavored to give you what I call a detailed overview of the setup and gear for your audio and or video podcasting studio, wherever that studio is. I've talked about the ideal equipment for an audio podcasting studio or how to optimize your podcasting studio for good video or for good audio. Go listen to those past episodes if you haven't already. I have the links to them in the show notes. I'm confident that These recommendations will help you launch or improve your podcasting studio and give you some great results, but I can't promise that this will cover all of your needs or all of the possible scenarios for your video. Thus, if you need more help, yes, you can comment on the show notes, but I really recommend that you consider hiring me for a one-on-one consulting session where we can talk about your specific needs and what kind of equipment you might need or how to work with the equipment you have, train you on the editing, the production, the tools, the setup, anything like that. I have information about that at the website theaudacitypodcast.com and just click on the consulting option in the menu. Special thanks to PBC Media who left a kind review for the Audacity to Podcast in iTunes. They said, I have found Daniel's tips and suggestions helpful in launching my podcast. I particularly enjoy knowing that each week the topics are indeed about podcasting and geared to that one subject. It helps a newcomer focus on the right fundamentals. Well, thank you very much. I'm really glad that I was able to help you in that. If you haven't reviewed the Audacity to Podcast yet, feel free to go to the audacitytopodcast.com and click on the iTunes or Stitcher button it encourages me and it helps other people find the podcast and if you want your international podcast reviews delivered to you automatically so you don't have to sweat with checking 150 plus stores and Stitcher and Google Play Music when that's available with reviews potentially Go to mypodcastreviews.com. It's the best way to get all of your podcast reviews easily emailed to you automatically on a regular basis. That's mypodcastreviews.com. I've got some upcoming really cool developments for Podcasters Society, so make sure that you're part of my email list at theaudacitypodcast.com to hear those announcements when they're available. Now that I've given you some of the guts and taught you some of the tools... It's time for you to go launch or improve your own podcast for sharing your passions and finding success. I'm Daniel J. Lewis from TheAudacityToPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. The Audacity to Podcast is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to make you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. The Audacity to Podcast is also a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Find more at techpodcasts.com.